0: You're listening to the Esotucon Sessions by Effective, recorded live in Philly. All right, I'm sitting down now with Molly and Kristen from Goobagoo and Naked Lime on Esotucon Sessions on behalf of Effective. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank, Thank you so you. much. This okay. is awesome.
0: I'm, I'm excited to dig into this. Uh, when did the merger of Goobagoo and Naked Lime happen? And, and give me give me some of the nitty gritty on that.
2: Well, I wouldn't say merger, but we are sister companies. When okay. um, Reynolds and Reynolds acquired Goobagoo last year, uh, we became sister companies. So we are two brands under the umbrella that is the the powerhouse Reynolds.
0: Got it. And should we be talking about Ryan's hair routine because he has fabulous hair? It's,
2: it's fabulous. I don't know if we have enough time. Honestly, <laughs> how are we're limited, right? I see it on Zoom every day. A lot of people jealous. I know.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, and so I mean, a lot of people in the industry obviously know Goobagoo is the chat company, Naked Lime is the web marketing agency. Uh, how, do, how does that? Are you perfectly integrated now? How does that? How does that work?
1: Go ahead. Well, mine. we're
2: we're starting to. Um, the biggest integration that we have today, uh, and is just like the 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 foundation, the starting places. So Naked Lime is a lot of marketing, inbound, communicating to very targeted audiences. Use um, a database is like the, the foothold and the foundation of our product. Um, and with that comes a whole lot of information about who you're communicating to. Um, Naked Lime sends out an email, for example, to a targeted segment of, of people who have this thing in common. Right. So this message goes in front of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, Goobagoo engages with those customers once they hit the site. So what we can do with our integrations is know who clicked through an email, who landed on the website. Goobagoo can greet with our with our chat uh, greeter, greet you by name. They know why you came to the site. They know you clicked on this deal or um, you drive this car and you're looking to book your service appointment or you're looking to do, you know, X, Y, and Z that Naked Lime, you know that message that they crafted. So there's a pretty nice uh, consumer experience, uh, given the data and um, the, the the purpose behind the website visit. Right. That really powers a pretty engaging hello when you when you right. en- enter the site.
0: I'm always actually fascinated by how quickly things have progressed by way of consumers and technology, because at first, everything you said, and admittedly, maybe this is the old Italian in me, but I'm like, uh, creepy.
2: Creepy. Right? But look how quickly
0: we've progressed, because then I quickly arrived at, oh, I love when they just have all of that stuff figured out.
2: When I get a coupon printed out at the grocery (laughs) store after I self-checkout that is for something I want to buy next week, I'm happy. And when it's something that I could care less about,
1: I feel like it's a waste of paper. Mm. nice because it, it makes it easier for you as a consumer. And if you don't think too much about how it's happening behind the scenes, then it's not so creepy, right? Well, and not only
0: that, I mean, I had a conversation years ago with a gentleman named Rand Fishkin. He's he's kind of one of the foremost SEO guys. He started a company called Moz. He's exited since. But he he was talking to me about how the internet, Google in particular in this case, but based on what you've been sharing, I mean, it's now extended to very granular levels. But he's like... What people don't understand is it's not creepy when you understand that the internet is the perfect listener. Hmm. All it's doing is listening. Right. And it's just on, it's listening and it's paying attention and then it's delivering you back you know, basically the internet is everything we want our spouse to be.
2: <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Like if I got that listening other places in my life, boy, oh boy.
0: <laughs> yeah. To just have the right slippers by the side of my bed when I wake up in the right position in you know, like all those sorts of things. So I think that's incredibly fascinating that that's how quickly we've progressed. So from your vantage point, being in the mix day in and day out, where do you see things going from here? I mean, we're living in Star Trek times is really how it feels.
1: Right. So the crazy thing is, you know, being in the automotive space for 13 years now, me personally, it seems like the past few years, it has progressed so much quicker than it did, it combined 10 years prior. Right. So it is really fascinating to see the true innovation that's happening. Obviously, there's been new technology and things that have come out over that period of time, but... But where we're seeing things now, people are kind of taking a step back and thinking, okay, why are we doing this? Why is this important? What problem does this solve? Instead of just looking at these fancy gadgets. So I think people are really starting to focus on how do we truly automate this and not keep these different pieces siloed and then present that consumer experience that really takes it to the next level. So that's where I'm seeing kind of all these dots actually getting connected, people having a bigger conversation, looking at it from a bigger picture.
0: I love that. It it really brings into focus for me that without the data in a data-driven world, you are running so blind. Like on mass, right? We're an industry that kind of loves bouncing on the buzzword trampoline. And it's <laughs> oh but chip shortage, inventory shortage. Ooh. But you both have a unique vantage point of being able to see that even through shortages, consumers are moving in a very interesting way. What perhaps is something that stood out to you, especially over the last couple of years about how consumers are moving towards a purchase?
1: I think the big thing that we saw was there's just constantly shifts. So to your point, it's not like consumers stopped engaging and stopped doing business. And it just, we saw obviously a huge shift towards fixed operations. So dealers trying to maximize every app that they had from whether it is their database. You mentioned data. And data is a huge buzzword for Everyone, but it's very near and dear to my heart because there's a huge difference between good data and and bad data. Right. right? So, um, but we saw dealers really leveraging the data that they had. They have access to more information than they know what to do with. So using that to try and bring in consumers from a service standpoint, from a fixed operation standpoint, and really maximizing those at-bats. But customers didn't just stop stop engaging and stop doing retail. It just shifted what they were focusing on and and how they were engaging with the retailers. Mm. I think, too, that,
2: you know, I mentioned the grocery store thing, getting something that wasn't tailored to me or, you know, a YouTube ad that has nothing to do with my viewing habits... Um, The frustration wasn't really there in auto. Consumers were used. There's a grace, like a grace period between the experience, the Amazon experience that you got in in online retailing versus, you know, how you purchased a vehicle. And that grace period is shrinking and shrinking or maybe not existing anymore. So the consumer expectations are so great um, in every other shopping experience of their life. I, I think today and in the future, they will... It will be the same expectations in this space as well um, versus, you know, maybe giving that that grace period where buying a car is different. It's much more complicated, which it is. Um, But as we've seen with tech today, that that um, expectation exists in buying a vehicle as well.
0: This this fascinates me because and go with me for.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll go. We'll go.
0: I love how what you're saying about expectation. There's a lot of talk about expectation, but I think sometimes we conv- convince ourselves that it all happens so fast. Now, go with me down this wormhole. It took us 1,500 years <laughs> to go from a chariot and horse to a horse and buggy. Somewhere in a 1,500-year time span, someone was like, you know what would be good? is if we could fit more than one person in this thing.
2: there was a back on this chariot, someone fell. I don't know. So then
0: on the back of that, in the last 200 years alone, we came up with stealth aircraft. Right. So yes, things progressed quickly, but also no, they didn't. So stop being so stinking surprised that things are accelerating as quickly as they are because we're basically, you know, I'm no rocket surgeon, but... (laughs) To my estimation, we're coming out with about 100 years worth of innovation in tech every five years. So it's it should not be a surprise to the dealer community, to business owners, how much access we have to data, that it's going to evolve even faster at a rapid pace. But also, 100 years ago, everyone was still boiling all of their food. So calm down. <laughs> We've had time to process this. Jump right. on the train. What are your thoughts on that? Is that my con- is that too controversial? Did I just get us canceled? What's 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 your thoughts?
1: I think you're right. And to take it a step further, you know, I think we in the automotive space, like Molly was saying, there was kind of a grace period where you know maybe this is a controversial take, but automotive has never been on the cutting edge of technology, right? It has always right. felt like it was a little bit behind trends and the curve, and I feel like because it was this little bubble. And now that consumers expect so much more because of just how they engage with other retailers, but even dealers themselves, if they look at how they're engaging with people that they do business with, they have those same expectations that their consumers do. So is it really that different of a thing or are they just looking at it differently now?
0: Mm. It makes me think about your coupon statement and how we we actually move to a purchase. I mean, everything is happening so... Naturally, now that we're not even, as customers, to your point, we're not even thinking about all of the touch points we actually had in making a purchase decision. We do it in everyday life. Right. Maybe it's grocery shopping, or maybe it's replacing a washer and dryer, or, you know, we don't realize as we thumb through the Sunday or the Friday paper with all the Coupon packets. What we're actually doing, and then moving online and checking out retailers' websites and having a live chat conversation or a FaceTime conversation, and still driving to—shocking uh, how many times I still find myself driving to Best Buy despite <laughs> Amazon having same-day delivery. You know, there's, but it's all happening in life, so we're not thinking about how organically, how simple and natural it's happening. But to both your point, that's. If we as retailers can understand that we do that for ourselves, we should be understanding that that's exactly what our consumers are doing as well. So let me ask you this then, what what then separates, in your opinion, dealer A from dealer B down the street from one another? How do they really stand out when we basically have all the same access to data and, and marketing abilities and whatnot?
1: I think you said the right word, is access. We hear a lot of people talking about access, being able to access the data. People want automation with the data that they have. And I don't think that's really the problem. I don't think the problem is access, whether you're doing that through your DMS, you're doing that through your CRM, Mm -hmm. however you're accessing the data. There needs to be a buffer between the data that you are accessing and what you're doing with that and how you're using it. Because if you look at your DMS as a transactional catalog, which it is, and you're using that as your source of marketing. So let's say, hey, we want to increase customer pay on ROs. Well, let's send out these five coupons to every, let's blast this email out through our CRM and send this to everyone in our system. Right. That's the access. You have no, there's no real huge limitation to access for that. The problem is, half of those customers don't own that vehicle anymore, or you're sending it to my old, you know, college email address about the old sedan that I bought from you, but I have an SUV now and I have a different Gmail address and my married name versus my maiden name. I think the bigger thing, what is differentiating dealer A from dealer B is what they're doing with that data, leveraging good data, understanding that they need to clean up that data, It's not going to be relevant to the consumer. If you really want a good consumer experience, you have to know who that customer is, where they are, what they're driving, what they're interested in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're just using and accessing the the data that you already have, you could be pretty largely missing the point or missing the target, if you will.
0: So what you're saying is, despite the doom and gloom narrative of technology replacing people... This is still very much a people business.
1: Oh, 100%. I think technology helps the people. Right. I'll add to, to that point exactly. Um, right, Gooboo
2: got their start. We're, we're a messaging company. We empower buyers and sellers to communicate real time and connect over any channel that they want to connect on. Um, that's another way where technology can assist and um, make you connect faster quicker uh consumers can get their instant gratification where they can get an answer in real time super fast but there's also a place for a dealer dealer a versus dealer b in this case to bring their own personality and their own dealership brand um, and their own style of doing business into a communication online like that too Um, we have seen at Naked Lime lots of dealers wanting to show how they're different from Dealer B down the street in their marketing message and the images that they use, what types of graphics. Um, they have a dog and everything that, that, you know, all over their website or um, they're, they have this charity that's near and dear to their heart and they talk about it a lot. You can do that when you're communicating with a customer, right. a real customer on the other end of a computer or a phone via chat or a Facebook message in the same capacity as you choose to do with your marketing materials. So th- there's a place for humans definitely still.
0: It's one of those simple foundational points of marketing that I wish, I hope, I pray, please, Jesus, help our industry understand that there is such a thing as market segmentation.
2: Yeah. And
1: <laughs> Kristen's very excited about <laughs> what just you t- just said. T- 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 you, t- You're yep. speaking my love yeah. Well,
0: my, my example, um, so years ago, I remember sitting in front of the television with my wife and I wasn't paying attention to the commercial at the, at the time, but I see her gradually getting closer and closer to the TV screen like a mosquito to the blue light. And it was a Skechers shoe commercial about how they were releasing a new like tone-your-butt kind of shoe. Uh, right audience, segmented, wrong audience, repelled. Right. And to your point about... What is our brand message? What are the charities that we care about? How do we, do we jump in line and do commercials where the owner dresses up like a pickle and says, I'm in a pickle, like everybody else? (laughs) Because I, I hope, I hope, I hope that it sinks in that whatever path you choose will attract customers and it will repel customers. And you can't be worried about the ones you're repelling. You should only be concerned about are you attracting more and more of your tribe, not to use the buzzword, but you know what I mean? So thoughts on segmenting the market based on brand.
1: You're, I mean, you're dead on. It's not all consumer looks, metaphorically speaking, looks the same. Right. So you have to figure out how to align with your consumer base. And maybe that's five different messages that you're sending out to those specific targets because that aligns with them. It's relevant to them. That's how as retailers, we connect with businesses that we do business with. It's someone that you align with, someone that is hitting the mark like the sketchers. I mean that's right. not for you, but she saw that, she liked it, it aligned with her. Right. So it's, it becomes this not everyone, the same message can't go out to everyone. And you have to figure out where are you sending the right message and really targeting what you're sending out because relevancy is key. Your marketing is a miss if it's not relevant to who you're sending it to. No matter how flashy the content is, if it doesn't align with who's receiving it or doesn't get to them, period, you've missed it.
0: Mm. And it's relevant to what you were saying about uh, Goobagoo. Gooba you know, when, they fir- when you guys first launched years ago, um, you know, I remember it was just like the chat pop-up, on like that was the channel, but now you're saying... We want to connect with you in real time wherever you want to be connected. Inherent in that statement is, while well, there's segments, there's already uh, affiliate, uh, affinities for certain platforms, different ways of communicating. Um, what are you finding are the most popular channels, like the, the highest trending channels that people, you, you, you've noticed an uptick in people reaching out to dealerships?
2: It it website is still first and foremost. That is wow, absolutely okay. still where most people engage in a chat. Um they landed on the site for a specific reason. They're in the market for a vehicle or they're looking to schedule some kind of a service appointment. They have a need, right? And they know where to go to start that to to solve that need. So we we definitely see websites still as a top. Um Facebook Messenger is becoming more and more popular. Um not only because you can um like, you're, it's, you're already on this platform or right. you already have this app. We know that. Um, but you can re-engage. So on the dealer's end, when a chat closes off of a website, that customer is gone for the time being. Um, we see more and more engagement on Facebook from the consumer's end and from the dealer's end because a dealer can re-engage, at least with, with our platform and tool, a dealer can re-engage with that customer because the, the conversation's not gone for right. seven days mm-hmm. in this case. Um, so we see re-engagement growing on the Facebook platform. Um, but, you know, we're, in, we're international too. So Goobagoo sees a lot of WhatsApp communication, mm. yeah. um, especially overseas. And uh, Apple Messages for Business is probably the other one that that's growing a little bit more strongly. Uh, a lot of Apple... Um, you know, once you're in the Apple family, you're in the Apple family, and they want you to use Apple apps once you're on an Apple device. Um, so they're really making that choice easy for
0: people who use Apple devices. I love that you bring in the overseas perspective, because I think oftentimes, especially in North America, we're plagued by this thought process that the way it is here is the way it is everywhere. But the fact that, you know, I have some overseas colleagues, and they're like, you still send SMS messages? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What True? what kind of a paganistic weird hoodlum <laughs> are you like we use WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. WhatsApp is what the billionaires in Europe, you, you know, it's like that kind of thought process. So I, yeah. I think it's interesting you bring that up. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's very true, especially about um, tech. There's a lot of tech that comes out in like Scandinavia or Europe or other places in the world, Asia. And, and the U.S. is often a later adopter compared to some of those companies, especially, you know, U.S. consumers like we are.
0: Well, I mean... You know, I, I still put my faith in that we came up with the airplane and that helped us. <laughs> but if we didn't do that we'd probably still be riding horses and all that, so Right. Shout um, out to Ohio, man. Yeah, shout out, yeah, Ohio <laughs> go. Man, this was so much fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you thank for joining you me so on Soda Cat Sessions PowerPoint effective.
1: Thank you. This is awesome.
0: Thank you for listening to this AsotuCon session by Effective. If you want more content like this, you can check out our other podcasts. We have a daily show called The Automotive Troublemaker Monday through Friday. Here on podcasts, also live streamed on YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook. We also have a long-form podcast called Auto Collabs. Auto Collabs. And if you just want to go a little deeper into this community, you should sign up for our regular email. We put our heart and soul into it. You can get it for free by going to Asoto.com.